get in my kids ahead of our special this morning. sharing 
your talents with us and with the Lord. Head to 1 Kings chapter 19. Matter of fact, if you would uh, want to hear that again, I believe it will be on uh, iTunes and our website a little bit later on. Normally the services that are recorded include the special before the message along with the message. And uh, many of you know where that is. If you don't, ask your kids or grandkids, and they'll know where to go get that. And uh, But uh, they, they can get it for you. They can. I mentioned yesterday at the closing ceremony about what I would be speaking on this morning, a much-needed subject, a subject that I've dealt with in my life, And there comes those dark times of the soul that hit in your life that are brought about by just life and circumstances many times that are completely out of your control. The Word of God does give us some insight on this. And it gives us huge amounts of experience with dealing with doubt discouragement and depression now you that does seem like a uh, kind of a contradiction of something we should be discussing right before valentine's day and it is definitely a day of love but many times people today feel unloved and there's a lot that gives a confusing message to that there's not going to be a special lightning moment in this message this morning that uh, just completely changes your life. But as many well know, any time you begin a journey, it begins with simply a step. And maybe today is the day that you begin a journey toward getting closer to God, getting your life turned around and saying, I need a, I need a, I need to change direction in my life today, at least if you recognize that. Now, what I need you to do is just fight with all your might to try not to let any distractions take place, and they do from time to time. If you can, I hope that you refrain from from it. And I know many people struggle physically. If you need to get up and go to the restroom, I understand that completely. But if you can possibly just uh, stay locked in and and uh, and uh, by all means I'm not saying somebody to to hurt themselves but I'm just saying try to say I, okay I want to try to be focused on the message and that I can encourage others to do so also and that's the only point in saying any of that and just pray 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 you, I mean at my last church there was a uh, people. Every service, there was a special prayer room, and while the preaching was going on, people were praying for the message. Matter of fact, whenever Charles Spurgeon, the 1800s preacher, uh, preached, they built the new Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle in, uh, there in England. They built a prayer room underneath the stage, directly under the pulpit, to pray for the message bearer every sermon that was ever preached, a pretty amazing thing. Let's begin God's Word by standing and giving honor and reverence to Him. 
and to his word, 1 Kings 19. If you have your Bible open, of course, read along. If you don't, listen along. The word of God says this, 1 Kings 19, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, I'm going to kill you tomorrow, because you have killed or all the prophets who used to come to my church died. Verse 3, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights under Horeb, the mount of God, which is basically around Sinai, where Moses got the Ten Commandments. And he came thither into a cave, and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and said unto him, What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for allowing us to read your word together. I thank you for everyone that is here this morning. May your Holy Spirit just take charge. Dear Lord, I pray for Mary Kay and Corbin. Dear Lord, touch their life, bless their life, and bless their families. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, the subject is a spiritual drought. They had just gone through a physical drought. Remember, it didn't rain for three and a half years. Elijah prayed again, and it started raining. Now, many times, unlike the weather, there may be somebody here this morning, and you're going through a spiritual drought. And by that, let me explain what I mean by that and how we can apply that. You know, as I was preparing this series of messages, and this is the fourth one, and I was really looking at the miracles that Elijah and Elisha performed. And that's really what I was aiming But But when I came to 1 Kings chapter 19, Brother Norman, I couldn't skip it. I couldn't skip it. I, I said, I've got to deal with this. This is, hits home with me. I've been through tough times in my life, and most of those times of discouragement, depression, doubt, I've been through all of them. Some people have uh, bouts of depression where they go to psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors, and they get a prescription, and that's, that's well and good. That's fine. We understand that that can, because of life, there can be 
there is medicine that, that helps is because whenever you're going through these times, there are chemicals that released and all those things. But a lot of times, if we see it coming before it gets there, you can deal with it. You know, it's kind of like uh, Benjamin Franklin said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, uh, and, and seeing those things coming, but what do you do whenever you don't see it coming and you just get blindsided? And all I can do is, is, you know, we can say, go see a doctor. And I've always been, I've always been a big fan of doctors and, and, um, but when you, the thing is, you don't want, you don't want to substitute that for the Word of God. Or you don't want to substitute or have that without the Word of God. I think the two can work together just fine. And uh, God's Word, tell, matter of fact, Luke, who wrote one of the four Gospels, was a physician. And Paul told Timothy, you need to take some medicine because of your, uh, your stomach's condition. And he, there, so there's many times where Jesus said, uh, you know, hey, listen, uh, the people that are, aren't sick don't need a physician, but people that are, talking about the sick and the unrighteous and the sinners and people that look down upon they need a physician talking about a spiritual doctor. Now, as we look to this here, and I realize there's not a miracle in this story, what can we learn through dealing with this? I've seen times in my life, and most of the time, whenever I've gone through discouragement, doubt, or depression, it's because of, it's, really it's a domino effect. There will be something that will happen. And then somebody will say something and I have realized in my ministry that a lot of times I take personally things that go on at church. And so it's, and it's kind of like an illustration that many of you have heard before, especially pastor in a church and you have somebody and the, and, uh, I had somebody say something to me and I just broke down. And it was, uh, a, 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 you know, it didn't matter whether it was just a discouraging comment or, or critical comment. But they, they said something to me and, and it just, it overwhelmed me and collapsed me. And I said, well, I just, all I said was this. They did not realize that I'd already had 30 other people do the same thing. And that just happened to be the last one that I could bear, that I could handle. Many times, in, though, in your life, you have the same thing that happens. And, you know, and it's just one little thing, one little thing that just sets you and, and you into a tailspin and you feel like your life is out of control. You see, we're dealing with a man who had a great victory. When we say, why did chapter 18 happen whenever he had a revival in chapter 18? Why did chapter 19 happen after that? We don't realize that even in the previous chapter, you know what he says? He says, I'm the only one left serving God. I'm the only, when you feel like you're all alone, it's when things can go wrong. What is a spiritual drought? Let's run through this real quick. You're coming to church, but you're empty inside. You read your Bible, but something's still not right. You know, did you realize you could do that? You can read your Bible and something, maybe it's, we're not practicing or maybe there's something you're reading your bible but there's something you're hanging on to that you won't let go 
Most of the time it's some sort of pet sin. Some sort, sometimes it's something that our flesh craves. But we're reading the Bible and the Bible's contradicting it, but we still won't let it go. Or, what is a spiritual drought? You're going through the motions of a good life. You are a good person. But it feels like you're just spinning your wheels and nothing is being accomplished. I just, something's not, I, but I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong, but something's still not right. Your life appears normal to everybody around you, but inside you're screaming and dying. You won't open up even to God. You're about ready to collapse. Many people are, have been through this and have gotten through it. It all begins with a first step, and it's a journey, and it's tough. There's nothing easy about life. I had devotions all day yesterday, and I enjoyed them. And I talked about how my little dog, and I can train the dog to obey because the dog loves cheese. And then I talked about relating it to parenting and how that we ought to obey our parents and the Lord. But, folks, parenting is not easy. I mean, sure, kids can be fun, but it's work. It's work, but many people won't invest the time saying, yes, I need to sacrifice for my kids. I need to give, and that does not mean that I need to always give them everything they want. Don't do that. I come at you from common sense and parental experience. But Elijah was at the breaking point. Matter of fact, we see the classic symptoms. Preacher is battling. I mean, this is a, a this is the the epitome. This is the fellow who's leading the northern kingdom, trying to get them to do right. This is God's man. This is a man of God, no doubt. There's been many people I can say that. You know, I've met many preachers. Or there's a bunch of, and you know, you know, you don't get to know them enough to re- really make this statement. There's some preachers that I know, folks, that I can say that I've gr- grown to know enough to say they're a man of God. They're not perfect. They're sinful. They're just like Bible people. They are sinners, but they're a man of God. Doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean they don't get angry and throw stuff down and break stuff and get angry and do something they shouldn't do or say something they shouldn't say. There's still a man of God. Elijah was a man of God. But he would battle depression, discouragement, or things like that just like anybody else and still be a man of God. Classic symptoms. Look at them. Fear. Verse 3. He went for his life. Folks, I've, I've had people threaten me. I really don't remember off the top of my head uh, physically threaten to kill I've had people threaten me. That's that's life. And be threatened to, uh, okay, you need to take your literature and get away from me <laughs> if you're witnessing to somebody. So he had fear. He was literally going for his life. The next symptom that he had was suicidal tendencies. And I've fortunately never reached that point in my life. Now, I think everybody would be lying if, if a fleeting thought didn't go through your mind about, but all it is is a 
fleeting thought of maybe escape or getting away because suicide is one of the most selfish things a person can do. But he did have suicidal tendencies. He wasn't threatening his life, but he said, God, you take my life. You t- I'm tired of this battle. Look at verse 4. And he requested that he might die. I'm not better than my father's. So you know what that meant? I'll, I'll just go to be with granny and granddad. That's what he meant by that. Excessive tiredness, verse 5. He just was sleeping and sleeping. Fear of rejection, verse 10. Which means I'm the only one. I've been very jealous. And look at how everybody is living. You see the world? The world's a mess. The world, And you look at the world. I mean, folks, anybody that watches the news can get depressed. I mean, it's discouraging enough to see all these. So these are classic symptoms. He's looking at how everybody's doing. He's watching the news, so to speak. He didn't have Channel 10 or something like that. But he was watching. And he saw how everybody was behaving. So he has a bunch of classic symptoms. But he did not know, according to chapter 18 and verse 3 and 4, how... uh, Obadiah, not the prophet who wrote the smallest book in the Old Testament, but how that he, because of Jezebel outlawing worship of Jehovah, that that Obadiah went and hid a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave, fed them with bread and water. Now that's running for your life. And then, of course, he makes his famous statement that he is the only one Left in verse 22. He said, I'm the only one left. Well, then we find God coming to the rescue. Now here's the the key that I wanted to get to. And uh, try to deal with in 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 a time this morning. In a little while. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. And if you've ever... Face discouragement, depression, or doubt, and you feel led to come to the altar and pray. Come to the altar and pray because I guarantee you, there's somebody in here. If you have the the compassion and the courage to pray, would you pray for somebody else that may be facing the same thing? This is a much needed task. So, how do I begin this journey? Somebody's sitting in a recliner, and they're sitting here in a recliner, and uh, they say, "Well, yep, I, I done." I done gained about 30 pounds here and I need to do something. I've got to get up out of the recliner if I'm going to do anything about this. And if you're discouraged or depressed, what it takes is actual physical force to get up and say, I've got to take the first step on this journey. God says He wants to help you and rescue you. He wants to bring you back, but it's not going to... Hey, listen... What took five months is not going to get cured in a day. What took five years cannot be fixed overnight. But it can begin a a right direction or a new journey. So what does God do? Okay, now listen, you've got the ultimate, you've got the fellow who made Elijah. And he's dealing with him, so how does he deal with him? 
First of all, his depression is real. I've, I've dealt with people, especially guys, who are this way, and it's just the way we're wired. I don't get on to anybody, but they don't realize what they're doing a lot of times, especially when they deal with women. Guys, most of the time, deal with women ignorantly. They do. We don't know what makes them tick, and we still haven't figured it out. Okay? Matter of fact, the book of First Peter says this, Dwell with your wives Husbands, love them, dwell with them according to knowledge. Look it up and see if I'm telling you the truth, all right? But it says, dwell with them according to knowledge. What does it say? It says in the same context that God made them the weaker vessel. So, okay, okay, my wife is made differently than, not only is she made differently than you, she's wired differently than you, all right? Anybody with common sense can figure that out, all right? But you still don't know what, how they tick and how they think, and, but some of you are getting better at it. But the thing is, I mean, some people, especially guys, will say, just get a hold of yourself, toughen up, quit crying. What's wrong? Don't you have any faith? God didn't do that with Elijah. Just grow up. Get some Kleenex, quit sniveling. That's Sounds like a typical redneck American male. It does. But God did not do that with Elijah. What does he do? He says, man, you know, and I've got it all there for you. You know, get a hold of yourself, man. This is sinful. Don't you have any faith? But God just let him sleep. Notice our text. I mean, he's already excessively tired most of the time. Remember the domino effect? A lot of people don't get enough rest to begin with. God made you to need sleep. But most of us will, will, will sacrifice sleep for the important things, such as you don't get enough sleep before you come to worship. We can stay up all night and have a good time because we're just going to church tomorrow. But if we know we have to go to work at 8 a.m., which is two hours earlier than you have to be here, a lot of people say, I can't get the kids ready and get me ready and get to church on time. But they sure can get to work at, on time and get the kids to school at 8 a.m. Hmm. Sorry. A little distracted there. But it says this. He let him sleep. Look at here. God let him sleep, brought him some food, gave him some time. And notice this. God does not say a word for 40 days. Folks, you know this and I know this. Sometimes, sometimes, some of the best things, especially people that have lost a loved one. Y'all have seen this time and time again. People that have lost loved ones. That is tremendous life change. Tremendous life change. If you will just check on them consistently. Uh, just be with them. You don't, don't try to come up, and people that have lost loved ones will tell you this, don't try to come up with the right words. Just be there and say, I love you. I'm here for you. Period. Let them know if you need, hey, I want to help. That's it. That's it. I'm praying. Have a word of prayer. Read some scripture with them. Whatever. Don't try to fix it. Right then, it can't be fixed. 
just you being, I'm following God's advice here. God was there. He let him know. He sent an angel. He sent some food. That's always good. Maybe that's scriptural. We take food to a lot of people that's going through tough times. That's okay. That's good. It, they don't feel like pre- preparing food. But most of the time, even though you brought them the food, the thing is, they're still, they're in a condition. They're not going to eat it anyway. But you've always heard it's the thought that counts. There's more truth to that than you realize. But God, He brought He brought him some food. He took him some food. He took him some water. He gave him some rest. Forty days. It takes time. And he wasn't rushing Elijah. And so, in matter of fact, in verse 6, we look at it. God finally, you know, he looks at him. He's got the water. He's got a cake. Basically bread when it says cake, if you have a King James Bible. And then, finally, he gets down to what I call God finally speaks in verse 9. And what we have here is God dealing with an issue. And what it is, is is after he speaks in verse 9, he came thither to the cave that he was in, way down there in the wilderness, I'm talking southern Israel, Judah in this case. And he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? That wasn't being demeaning, he was just trying to get him to think. Sometimes, listen to this, I've talked with people and and I thank the Lord that God gave me a listening ear. And folks, you sometimes when you go to talk, see somebody, try to get them to talk. If they won't talk, that's fine. Don't monopolize the conversation. In other words, just see if you can get them to talk and then just listen. Sometimes they will not, they're just not ready. It's not their 40 days is not there yet. Give them some time. Go to them. Check on them. If they don't feel like talking, just wait. Constantly tell them you love them. He comes to them. Finally, verse 10, he gets down to the root of the problem. What was the huge problem? Elijah thought he was all alone. Elijah thought he was all alone. In the days before text messaging and cell phones, you can feel all alone when you're out of touch and out of communication. And then he, God helps him remember what to listen for and what to believe in. And of course, the very famous of verse 11 and 12, he said, okay, I want you to go stand on the edge of this cliff over here. And uh, he said, go forth from the mount before the Lord. He passed by in a strong wind. And then the, uh, after that, an earthquake. And after that, a fire. And then finally, at the end of verse 12, he says, remember when you and I spoke. In a still, small voice. He heard God speak. He said, you know what? I've been missing you on my quiet time. I haven't been reading like I I haven't been praying like I should. I haven't been doing like I should. He gets to the source of his anger, thinking that he's the only one. And then he repeats it in verse 13. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he says the same thing. This is the core of his heart. This is a finally, what is wrong? But he didn't scream it. The Lord whispered it. What's wrong? What's wrong? There's no need to say, get up, quit crying, be a man. Where's your faith? He didn't ridicule or mock him. Who didn't? God didn't. And he waited and he waited. Which it wasn't hard for God. 
but he had to deal with this. I'm the only one left. That's the end of verse 14. Then in verse 18, he says this. You don't realize this, but I've got 7,000 people in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. He tells him to go get some help. He says, uh, you need some help. I need, you, I need you to give you some help. And I'm going to have, uh, I need you to train a man by the name of Elisha. In the very next verses, he goes and he gets him some help. Somebody to, says, okay, I want to show you the ropes. Somebody that can kind of take over whenever I get too old. But in Elijah's case, Elijah was so special for God, to God. Listen to this. This is really cool. A man whose death is never recorded. Because God sent him a special taxi cab to pick him up and to take him to heaven. And it's called a fiery chariot. Never died. Now that's special. When you say, I don't have any of that. It's okay. We've got his word. Which is a huge, huge comfort. Let today begin a new journey. Saying, I I need to change the direction I'm going in. I'm tired of this struggling with depression. Oh, by the way, serve the Lord. You're going, you're going to have ups and downs. But you've got to see them coming. And say, I don't need to dwell in this valley. Lord, can you help me through? Help me get through this valley in my life. Help me turn to my friends and be patient with them. And listen. And encourage them. Pray for them and tell them you're there. Maybe there's somebody here. You just want to come pray at the altar and say, I want a new start, new direction. You want to pray with me? I'll be glad to pray with you. Whatever you need, be there for one another. One person cannot do it all. Have a friend, somebody you can call, somebody you can talk to, somebody you know that that's my Jonathan. That's my friend. And if there's not a friend there, if that friend departs or something happens, God will supply you another friend. The same thing happened to Paul and Jesus and many others. God will give you what you need. He will. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be felt in the service this morning. And seeing how that even people that are in the middle of church can be distracted and overwhelmed by life. If there's somebody here that realizes that their strength has been depending on their own strength, their own self, Father, I pray that they would turn you say, I cannot carry this burden anymore. I need you to carry it, dear Lord. I need to give it to you. Help them to let go of that burden. Many times that is the, that's, that's the weight. We need to give that weight away to God.
give it to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.